Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, O oh Lord, as we just heard earlier in Christ alone, Lord, in Christ alone we have hope. Christ alone is the one who faced the, the storm of your wrath and judgment toward our sin so that we might find peace. Oh, Father, today as we begin this study in the book of Jonah, in this, oh Lord, let our hearts be drawn all the more closer to Christ. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, you can grab your Bibles there and be turning with me to the book of Jonah. Book of Jonah, we're starting this new series, and so uh, turn there, find your place there. I'm going to tell you, if your heart hadn't been blessed this morning, you're dead inside. <laughs> Amen. I think after uh, Christ alone, we could have just had an invitation right here, and uh, altars would have been full. Uh, I was ready to go at that point. My goodness gracious, oh, my heart just, uh, isn't Christ wonderful? Isn't he wonderful? And hopefully today as we start this study looking in Jonah, God's unwilling prophet and God's unyielding grace, oh may our hearts be drawn all the more to him. As we look at the book of Jonah, Jonah is that book that, uh, you know, we, we talk about a lot in children's church and, and they all, all have all their color and pages, you know, for Jonah. And uh, the church has done a lot to kind of push Jonah aside and, and make it kind of a kid's story. But we need to understand that Jonah is not just a kid's story. It's not just a fable. It's not a page out of Mother Goose. No, it's in God's holy word. It is a real story about a real prophet who was called by the real creator God to go and do a real mission in this world, in time. And it's about a real prophet who was unwilling to do what God had called him to do. And so today we began to look at Jonah and I know that uh, in our world today, there are many arguments that are out there trying to say, well, Jonah is just a made-up story. It's just not really real. There's, there's too many things in there that, that point to it just being a, a fable, a parable. But as we go through this, hopefully I will be able to, to uncover some of those and address some of those issues and give you some evidence, some proof that uh, this is a true story a true event but i'll also encourage you as you think about jonah go dig a little deeper dig a little bit deeper search a little further and see all that is out there that shows us the 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 fact the truth of of jonah and what took place as jonah as we look at jonah he is god's unwilling prophet God sent out to do a real mission, but Jonah tried to escape the call that God had upon him. But as we'll look at today in Jonah chapter 1, 
we'll see that there is absolutely no escape. In fact, here's what we see. Sermon in a sentence is this. You can never escape God's presence or power. Therefore, trust Him and discover His salvation. Let me say that again. You can never escape God's presence or power. Therefore, trust Him and discover His salvation. If you would, stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's holy word. Jonah chapter 1, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amati, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots, that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. And they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. He said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you, for I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to get back to dry land, but they could not. For the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore, they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Amen. May the Lord add blessings to the reading of his holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And may he write its eternal truth on all our hearts. And you may be seated.
Here, God has called Jonah, his prophet, to go on a mission. Now, let's take a moment and, and think about who Jonah is. Jonah was a prophet who served God during sometime around the, the years 782 to 753 B.C. This was during the reign of Jeroboam II. You can go to 2 Kings chapter 14, verses 23 through 28 and find him mentioned there. Uh, this was a time uh, of prosperity in Israel. At this point, Israel and Judea have separated. So Israel is the northern kingdom. And uh, the northern kingdom, if you go through the book of Kings, the books of Kings and uh, Chronicles, you know that the, the northern kingdom, Israel, they, they never had a good king. All the kings there were evil kings. None of them uh, followed the way of the Lord. But during this time, the Lord in his grace uh, had been gracious to them. And at this point in time, it was a, a time of great prosperity. During the reign of Jeroboam II, it was a time of great prosperity in Israel. And this was the time in which Jonah ministered. He was a prophet. He was a successor to Elisha. And now he is prophesying in this great age of prosperity in Israel. And now God commissions Jonah and says, I want you to go to Nineveh, that great city. Now, what is significant about Nineveh? Nineveh was the capital city of the nation of Assyria. Now, if you know your history, you know Assyria was one of the great empires that ruled in, in that ancient day. Assyria had risen to power earlier. Uh, they had actually kind of ruled over Israel, the northern kingdom there. In fact, uh, Jeroboam II's great-grandfather, Jehu, had paid tribute to uh, Assyria so that they would keep them safe from their other enemies. So uh, Assyria kind of had ruled over them in a sense. Uh, uh, Je uh, Jehu was kind of a, a king under the king of Assyria during that age. But then there came a time that Assyria kind of became weak. They had weakened quite a bit. There was a lot of internal strife within the nation. And, and so this was the time that, uh, uh, that Jonah comes in. It is a time that Assyria is, is weakened. Uh, they're not the great nation that they once were. But yet, if you know your Bible... You know that after this age of weakness, Assyria will once again rise to power under uh, Tigrath Plizar, if I got that name pronounced right, and actually under Shalamanzer, the one who followed him, the king of Assyria who followed him, Assyria would come and conquer Israel and take them off into exile. They would be God's tool of judgment for their lack of following God's rule and reign over them. you got to imagine as Jonah, the very prophet of God, as, as God calls him to this, he's got to be thinking, now I know Nineveh. Nineveh is an evil nation. It is a nation that has ruled over Israel. Why would you, why God, why would you call me to this evil nation pronounce this judgment upon them 
we find out, we know, we know that Jonah, the reason he doesn't want to go is because he knows God's grace. <laughs> but as he gets this command, go to Nineveh, that great city, and pronounce this judgment upon them, Jonah wants, ha- wants to have nothing to do with that. Perhaps even being a prophet, perhaps he even knows that in the future God will use that very nation to come and uh, to carry out his judgment on them. And so we might think about this and we might just understand a little bit of Jonah's hesitation. Nevertheless, Jonah is called by God. Jonah, my prophet, go to Nineveh that great city, and cry out against it. What does Jonah do? Does Jonah, the prophet of the Lord, pack his bags and take off to Nineveh to carry out the command of the Lord? Well, of course not. What does he do? He, he packs his bags, he takes off to Joppa, he goes down there, he finds a ship going to Tarshish. Now, where is Tarshish? Tarshish, we don't really know exactly where Tarshish is. There's some, some speculation out there. Some say that it's a city. It was a city down in the southern part of Spain. Others say it was a city down in, in the northern part of Africa there somewhere. Uh, all we know that Tarshish represents the furthest point away from God's temple that Jonah could actually go. It was the furthest point in the civilized uh, world of that day. And so Jonah, he wants to get as far away from God that he can possibly get. So he goes to Joppa. He finds a ship going to that furthest point, to Tarshish. He says, I'm going to get on this ship. I'm going to give you money. You take me to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. He's trying to run away from the presence of the Lord. He says there in that last verse, he he goes with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. In fact, in this chapter, we see that phrase three times repeated. Jonah wants to get away from the presence of the Lord. But look there in verse 4. The first three words there, as Jonah is trying to flee from the presence of the Lord, but the Lord. (laughs) Jonah's trying to get away. He wants to get away from God as far away as he can, but the Lord. You see what it's saying there? You can't escape the Lord. You can never escape the presence of the Lord. Jonah thought, if I can get away from the temple where where God's presence dwells, if I can get away from there, if I can go to Tarshish, I can get away But you can't, you can never, ever escape the presence of the Lord. The Lord is always there. This is uh, that theological phrase that we call omnipresent. God is everywhere, all the time, all at once. He is always here. He is always there. If you are here, He's here. If you're in, in Africa, He's there. If you're in China, He's there. God is everywhere. You can't escape God's presence. Now let's think about that even for us. How often do we try to escape God's presence? Oh, I'm sitting here alone at my computer. No one will know if I pull up that page. You can't escape God's presence. 
oh, if I, if I pick this up and stick it, nobody's looking. If I just put this in my pocket, you can't escape God's presence. God is always there. He's always there. He is always with you. He sees everything that you do. Oh, we might can hide it from our friends and our neighbors and our family, but we can never hide it from God. We can never, ever, ever escape God's presence. God is always with us, and He is always watching. So God is there. Jonah is trying to escape his presence, but the Lord. And then what does it say? The Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Now, not only was God present, but here in, in this passage and through this book, really, we see also God's sovereign power. God's sovereign power. God is not, uh, not only always present, but he is Sovereign over all things. Jonah's trying to get away, but God commands the sea. He commands the sea to, to become tumultuous, to, to raise up this storm. He, he hurls a wind across the sea to cause this great storm. As we see at the end of this chapter, he appoints a great fish to come and swallow up Jonah. Right? And, and if you, you go on, as we get to the end of the, this book, chapter 4, it tells us that he, he appoints a, a vine to come up and to shade Jonah. And then he calls a worm to come up and, and to bite the, the vine, to, to kill the vine. God is sovereign. He's sovereign over all of his creation. He's sovereign over the wind. He's sovereign over the ocean. He's sovereign over all the beasts of the field and of the sea. He's sovereign of the plants. He's sovereign over everything. In fact, you know what's interesting about this book? When you start to read this book and you begin to think about all that God commands and they follow, all of his creation, command, you know, God commands his creation and creation follows. It follows the word of the Lord except for man. We are the only part of God's creation who says, well, <laughs> wait a minute, God. You're calling me to do what? You want me to do what? Mankind is the one who rebels against God. God is sovereign. He's sovereign over the wind and the sea. He is sovereign over all of His creation. And no matter what we do, no matter what we try, we can never, ever, ever prevail over the sovereign power of God. You look at the men, what do they do as the storm rages? The men, they, they get together and they begin to cry out to their gods. They begin to cry out to their gods. They even go down and get Jonah, cry out to your God. Maybe your God will hear us. But no God can prevail against the Lord our God, who is creator of the heavens and the earth. Because there is no God other than our God. Dear friends, we can try to turn to all of our made-up gods, whether it be money, whether it be power, whether it be politics, whether it be whatever. 
You can call on all the things that you hold dear and trust in, and all of those things, all the things of this world, none of them will save you. Only God can save you. Because Yahweh is the only God. And then they try through human efforts to prevail over God's power, His sovereign power, yet as they row against the waves, as they begin to pick up all of their cargo and throw it out into the sea to try to lighten the load, to, to maybe, maybe, just maybe we can row hard enough to get to dry land, right? Even after Jonah tells them, here's what you need to do, no, we, we don't want to hear that. We're going to row harder. We're going to work harder to try to get us there, but yet all of the works of man, again, cannot prevail over the sovereign power of God. Dear friend, we can't escape God's presence. And we can't, there's no escaping God's sovereign power. We can never escape God's sovereign power. He controls all things. We can work against Him all that we want to work against Him, but we can never prevail over the sovereign hand of God. Well, if we can never escape the presence of God, if we can never escape the sovereign power of God, then, dear friend, what is our hope? What hope do we have in the world? As these men, they come... They come to Jonah, they ask Jonah the question, who are you, where are you from, what do you do, tell us. All of this is because of you, they cast the lots, they find out it's because of Jonah, so they, what, what, who are you, what have you done, what can we do to escape this judgment of God? They know, they know as they're facing this storm, this is no ordinary storm here. These are professional sailors. They've been there before. They have never seen a storm like the storm they're facing. They know that this is not your everyday storm. They know that this is coming from God Almighty. And they ask Jonah, what can we do? And what does Jonah tell them? Look there in, in, in verse 11. Then they, they said to him, what shall we do to you? that the sea may quiet down for us, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous. He said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you, for I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. You see, they seek a solution. And God, through His grace, has provided His Word. You see, I think it, it doesn't say this ex explicitly here, but Jonah is a prophet from God. He is a, a voice of the Lord. And when Jonah tells them, this is what you do, if you want to save yourself, if you want to be saved from this storm of God's judgment, hear the word of the Lord. Pick me up, throw me into the ocean because it's because of me. This storm is upon you. You see, the word of the Lord comes. And though at first they try to push against the word of the Lord, by God's grace, when they hear the word, 
and they repent from their disobedience and they begin to obey God and they pick Jonah up and they throw him into the sea as the word of the Lord had told them Here's the beautiful picture that we'll see over and over and over again in this book. When people repent, God responds. When people repent, God responds. These sailors had been pushing against God. They were just like Jonah. They were disobeying God. But when God spoke His Word by His grace and they had faith to believe the Word of God and obey the Word of God, to turn away from their disobedience and turn to God in repentance, God responded. And what happened? The sea became silent. And they praised God. And they offered up sacrifices unto the Lord. Dear friend, when it seems like no hope, when you can't escape God's presence and you can't escape His sovereign power, the hope is this. Trust God's Word and discover His salvation. Trust God's Word and discover His salvation. That's what these sailors did here. God in His grace, He could have let that storm tear the ship apart. He didn't have to give a word to Jonah. He didn't have to reveal to them the way that they could be saved. He could allow that, those pagan sailors to be, their ship to be torn apart and them to die in the sea. But by His grace, He sent word. A way of escape. A way of salvation. When they trusted in the Word of the Lord, they found His salvation. They found a salvation. Now I want to tell you that the book of Jonah is not just about Jonah. The book of Jonah is not just about Jonah. In fact, the book of Jonah, as we see his disobedience, his unwillingness, God's unwilling prophet is meant to point us to God's willing prophet, Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. God's unwilling prophet, Jonah, points us to, lifts our eyes up, makes us long for God's willing prophet, Jesus Christ, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. You see, dear friend, there is no escaping God. The only answer for our rebellion and our disobedience against God is His judgment. Just like Jonah, Jonah found himself as he was a prophet of God, but as he disobeyed God and he tried to run away from God, he found himself in the midst of God's judgment. And as the sea of judgment was raging around him, 
And as the sea of judgment was raging around these sailors, they had to look to God for salvation. You cannot escape God, and you cannot escape God's judgment. However, thrown into the raging sea of God's judgment for our disobedience, dear friend, Jesus Christ calmed the sea for us. See, Jonah is meant to lift our eyes up to the one who did come. When the Father said, I need you to go, and I need you to declare the message of judgment to the people down there, and I need you to provide a way of escape for them, Jesus came. And Jesus Himself was thrown into the raging sea of God's judgment. Receiving upon Himself the disaster, the condemnation that we deserve. So that God might calm the sea and bring us into His presence in His peace. Dear friend, Today, perhaps you have been struggling against God. You've been trying to hide your face. You know that the judgment of God has is, is been coming on you and, and raging against you. And you've been trying to escape His presence, but you can't escape God. You can't get away from Him. No matter where you go, no matter what you do, you can't escape Him. Nor can you escape His great, mighty power. Dear friend, the only hope for you is to trust God. To trust God. Receive the salvation that He has given you in Jesus Christ. Turn away from your disobedience. Turn away from your rebellion and turn to Jesus. And find peace with God. You can never escape. God's presence or His power. Therefore, trust Him and discover His eternal salvation in Jesus Christ. Oh, Heavenly Father, certainly today there are those here whom I know, Lord, they've been struggling against You. They, like Jonah, perhaps they have even heard Your Word they have heard the, the, the warnings. But nevertheless, they, they think, oh, if I can get far enough away. Oh, Lord, let them know the power of Your presence. Maybe they've been struggling all of this time trying to, to work their way to save themselves by the works of their own hands. Oh, Lord, reveal to them today utility of their struggles. By Your grace, open their hearts and their minds to see Jesus. Surrender to Him and discover Your peace and salvation. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Perhaps you are here today and you've been struggling, struggling, struggling. But today, the Lord has opened up your eyes and you see Jesus. Let today be the day of repentance. 
When you turn away from your disobedience and turn to Christ, God responds. He responds by giving you peace and rest and eternal salvation in Him. Will you respond today? Will you respond to Him today? Brother, lead us.